Before we get started in our message today, we're continuing in the series called Life Starts Now. Uh, today our message is more, Life with More, and we're going to be in Mark chapter 6, uh, Life Starts Now. And before we get into that, um, there's a, somebody in our church who uh, started life together 73 years ago. There's a wedding anniversary of uh, John and Esther Berg. I don't believe they're able to be with us this morning, unless someone puts their hand up and corrects me. Uh, but they'll hear this on the recording. Can you give them just a round of applause and congratulations? So uh, December 12th, they celebrate 73 years of marriage. 73 years of marriage. Some of you are saying, yeah, whatever. Anyway, we'll stop now. It's wonderful. We're there. We're, we're more than a third of the way there. We're going to keep going. I, you see, the way it is with my wife, if uh, we haven't, she's so good that I couldn't really, like if she ever leaves me, I have to go with her. So <laughs> it's just out. That's the arrangement. And of course, one of us has to die to get out of this relationship. So, um, hey, it's December 8th today. It is about to get busy, like really busy because it's the Christmas season. And I love memes. I don't know if you like memes on Facebook. This is currently my my favorite Christmas meme. Um, how many of you are elf? Yeah. And there are you I'm like the I'm I'm not. Uh, yeah, I just I just love that. I could I could watch that for quite a while. I'm easily entertained apparently. I, I don't hate Christmas. I'm not the Grinch. I do love Christmas. I love all that. It's just so busy with all the extra events and extra decorating and, and spending and undecorating. This year, we're actually not going crazy on the decorating on our house. Um, you know, I have a friend who's my age who last year broke his arm f- from the second rung of the ladder. And so I'm like, oh, I don't think I can go on the ladder this year to put the Christmas <laughs> ornaments. And then so Becky said, well... Uh, we have two sons that are old enough to do that. And so she said, all right, um, who's going to help with decorating this year? And one of them said, well, I'll, I'll help you, Mom. Does that mean you'll get up on the ladder? No, I will hold the ladder. And so so if you come to our house this year, all the decorations are very low to the ground. <laughs> They're out there. We're not, we're not the Grinch. We're not humbug. But, you know, it's a little simpler this year. There's a lot going on. In our lives. Now, most people would say that life is busy, not just now, but like all the time. Like you think, oh, it's just, just busy all the time. And, and, and you keep waiting for the sort of mythical time when things are going to slow down. And it's like, oh, no, it's, it's busy. And, um, I wonder if our busyness is purposeful. Like if there's a good value or a good purpose to all the busy work in our lives. A busyness is not a virtue. In itself, you know how sometimes you'll meet somebody, hey, and the first thing we say, hey, how you doing? Keep them busy? Right? That's just sort of our, kind of our colloquial way of saying, you know, there's lots going on and, and sometimes busyness keeps us uh, from being honest about the stuff we need to work on in our lives. We can sort of hide inside of being busy. It's sort of a, a you know, a covering and so I never have to kind of be honest about the stuff I'm going through in my life because I'm busy, busy, busy. And at some point, you know, there's some of us might just say, you know, I'm done. I've had enough. I'm out of here. I'm, I can't, I'm not going to do anymore. I'm not, I'm just, I'm done. 
I just, I just want to check out. But we're going to look at two episodes in the life and ministry of Jesus that were all about a lot going on. And I want you to see that Jesus has more for you in the midst of and in spite of the busyness of your life. And so we're going to read Mark chapter 6, starting at verse 30 and all the way to 56. It's a long passage, so I would like to read the whole thing, but I... um, Yeah, if you're able, would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Mark chapter 6, verse 30, and it, it... Begins like this. It says, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. When we finished, uh, before the Jesus had sent out his twelve apostles in, in pairs. And then verse 31 says, Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. And he said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. Ever had one of those days? You didn't get lunch today. I was so busy. Right? So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Verse 34, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. And late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can... Go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, verse 37, you feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. Verse 38, how much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. And they came back and reported, we've got five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Little hints there. Mark's telling us it's a decent time of year. The grass is green. It's probably spring. It's kind of a fresh season. Groups of 50 and 100. That's that's sort of an ideal group. One person can manage a group of 50 to 100 most churches in America are somewhere between 50 and 100 people. It's, it's a very manageable, large, small group that, that one person can handle. All right. It's very strategic that it's those numbers. Verse 41. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish and looked up toward heaven and he blessed them. And breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They ate as much as they wanted, and afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed from those loaves. If you were vegan or gluten-free that day, you were in trouble. All right. Verse 45, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples uh, get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida And while he sent the people home. And after telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. And late at night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake and Jesus was alone on land. Verse 48, he saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves literally straining against the oars. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. He intended to go past them, but when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. Ah! Right? They were all terrified when they saw him. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. 
And then he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped and they were totally amazed for they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in that he's God and he has creative ability. Verse 53, after they had crossed the lake, they landed at Gennesaret and they brought the, sh- the boat to shore and climbed out and the people recognized Jesus at once and they ran throughout the whole area carrying sick people on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, in villages, cities or the countryside, they brought the sick out to the marketplaces. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe and all who touched him were healed. Let's be seated together. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, you remember the story about the woman who had been who had been plagued with an illness, an infirmity for 12 years, and she made her way through the crowd. And she thought, if I can just touch the edge of his robe, I'll be healed. And that's exactly what happened. And guess what happened? News spread, word spread. If you just touch his robe, he'll be healed. And the word is spreading. I mean, it's it's just a marvel. It's just a just an incredible. It's gone viral. Jesus has gone viral at this point in that whole area. This is in the North Galilee. If you've ever been to Israel, if you ever get to go one day, um, you, you'll, you'll take, a, you'll take a, a, a boat trip on the Galilee. You'll be on a boat and you'll look around at the hills and you'll say, you know, somewhere up there, Jesus knelt down to pray and spend time with his father. Somewhere on this, this water, those disciples are straining at the oars and Jesus came alongside them. It's, it's a great experience. Now, some portions of the Gospels, I think, seem like following Jesus was this very cool, you know, thing of just kind of hanging out, watching miracles, eating free bread, uh, doing boat trips. I mean, they're just like, hey, this is so cool. We get to kind of hang out with Jesus. But I think this passage gives us a more realistic picture of what it was like. It was on the go, nonstop work. They didn't get time to break for a decent meal, it says. And just in this half chapter that we just read, for example, they finish their missions trip. They head off by boat to get some rest. They land and then they do all day ministry instead. They get back on the boat. They have a stormy night, kind of sleepless stormy night on the boat. They land and they're right back into the crowds for another ministry day. Just think about that. Go, go, Jesus. I, Jesus, I can't, I need a, just going and going. The disciples had had this powerful ministry trip of their own, they'd been sent out in six two-person teams, and um, they 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 probably just wanted to float on that high for a bit. Like, Jesus, can we just enjoy this for a while? And in fact, he was going to take them away, but instead, Jesus ends up allowing them this opportunity to go deeper, to to experience more with him, to 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 move to a new level of greater trust and greater effectiveness and greater joy in what they're called to do. I wonder if Jesus has the same thing for you. More. That instead of just a busy life, Jesus is inviting you into more, more rest, more service, more miracles, more faith. What if Jesus wants you to see that he is the one who provides for what you need? Empowerment, provision, rest for your body and for your soul. I want to just lean into the words of Jesus in this section. Verse 31 puts it this way. Let's put this one on screen. Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. I want to talk about four more things today. Four things that are more. And this is 
Jesus is inviting them into more rest. If you're taking notes this morning, you can write that down. More rest. By the way, if you're kind of new to the Bible, if you have a Bible that's got some of the, some of the letters are in, in red, that just means that this, the words of Jesus are in red so you can easily see what it's the, the words and teaching of Jesus. That's all that, that means. So I put the words of Jesus in red this morning. Jesus invited them to more rest. See, rest and downtime are not the same thing. Like, Netflix on the couch, that's fine. What, whatever. But that's not actually true rest. That's downtime. And I'm not saying it's bad, but true rest is something that's restorative to your soul and to your body. Now, think about why they would have needed a break. Mark, if you go back into chapter 5, Mark, the writer, has just reported on the execution of their dear friend, John the Baptist, uh, Jesus' cousin, uh, someone who had been influential to all of them. He had probably inspired many of them even to consider following Jesus. The disciples then had this exciting ministry trip where they'd seen all these miracles and had preached the gospel in different places. And so uh, the temptation for them is to get kind of proud about how good they did, how well things went. A little bit of a mountaintop experience the missions uh, that, on that missions trip. And so time away with Jesus would kind of help get their focus back to where it needed to be. Real rest calibrates your body and your mind and your soul, your spirit. Like it just kind of brings you back into alignment. But they were, they were interrupted in their quest for quiet space, which tells us that Jesus' concern for people trumped their needs in that moment. Both attempts at getting away for rest after the missions trip and after the feeding of the thousand, twice, uh, five thousand, twice when Jesus says, let's, let's go in the boat. It, in both cases, it's after a particularly high ministry moment. And I wonder if Jesus even knew that the temptation there was to say, you know what, I am pretty good at this bread making thing. I am pretty good at this building a following. I mean, the temptation was there. I, I'm, Please hear me. He didn't say that. But the temptation would have been whispered in his ear. You got this. You got these people eating, literally eating out of the palm of your hand. And for him to say, you know what? I'm just going to go be with my father. I'm going to go reconnect that moment of, of like, I think I got this. That's a really key moment to get with the father and recalibrate, reconnect with him. And I wonder if you are getting rest in your life with Jesus? Is there any place where you're getting rest? Are you taking any kind of Sabbath in your life? Are you structuring any kind of rhythm in your life of time with the Father? I was reading, I'm reading this book right now called Seven Men and the Secret of Their Greatness. In the the opening chapters about George Washington and it accounts how every morning and every evening he had a devotional time in his study, in the Word and in prayer. It's establishing a routine and rhythm is crucial don't don't use your frantic schedule as an excuse to avoid the rest that jesus wants to give you so he wants to give you more rest then move on to verses 36 and 37 the disciples are saying jesus send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat but jesus said you feed them with what, they asked. We'd, we'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. What's Jesus inviting them into? He's inviting them to more service. More service. Wait, 
Weren't we just talking about rest and now we're talking about being busy again, serving and activity? It's both. We do both. Rest and serve. And this is not Jesus being a slave driver, but he's creating an opportunity for a greater ministry for meeting real needs of people. One of the, one of the areas that we, um, are looking at, so as a church, we're working with something called Natural Church Development. And, uh, in that, it's called NCD for short. And in Natural Church Development, one of the things, one of the categories we look at is, um, need-based evangelism. Is the church, a healthy church, uh, reaches, that brings the gospel to people by meeting real authentic needs that people have. And so we're always kind of looking, am I, am I, is my evangelism based in meeting the needs that people have? And um, one of the projects we're kind of we're trying to work toward is, for example, establishing an ESL class or an ESL club. Well, that would be an authentic need that people have, and in that process, introducing the gospel. And so Jesus is giving them that opportunity to meet real needs as they share the gospel. And so Jesus is inviting them into more service. The disciples, pretty smart, could see the people needed to eat. Hey, Jesus, it's been a long day. They're all hungry. We're way out here and uh, we can't afford to feed them. Like, send them off so they can go find something to eat. I think they were just being prudent. They were just like, Jesus, like, we've got to do something about this. And uh, that's not a problem, but Jesus set them on this impossible task where he says, you feed them. What? Yeah, how? How, Jesus? How are we supposed to feed 5,000 people plus their families. I mean, we're talking a crowd of fifteen to 25,000 people. This is, a, this is a massive group of people. Even if food were available, we couldn't afford to buy it. Maybe it was a test of faith. Maybe Jesus was just seeing, oh, I wonder if they're going to like jump to the miraculous right away. I wonder, Maybe, but I don't, I don't know about that. It seems to me that Jesus was teaching them about a moment of leadership. That if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, serve. See, it's easy to want the spotlight, to want the to want the platform, to to want to be in the boardroom, to want to be in the corner office, to be want to to be the one where people turn to you to to make the decisions, to to be the one where you've got a title behind your name. That we, you know, that's pretty natural in our human nature to want those things. But real effectiveness happens when you put on the serving apron, or when you pick up the broom, or when you get on your knees to teach three-year-olds, or when you, you know, put on your work clothes to. Join the sod squad. Jesus is saying, look, guys, I want you to genuinely care about the needs of these people. Not just, man, it's really inconvenient there are all these hungry people here. Send them off. Jesus wants them to genuinely care about their needs. All the miracles, he's saying, all the great times of teaching, they're not going to stick if these people don't experience love. You feed them. You give them love. You demonstrate the kindness of God to them. Jesus is going to help them see that they can do more than they think they can. And you can do more than you think you can through Jesus. But it means depending on Him. And we're going to see how. They didn't have enough, they didn't have the means to feed the people. Not enough money, not enough bread or fish, or whatever, just a few loaves, a few fish, whatever. Jesus is going to teach them some fundamental principles about giving. One is this, that that you can't give more than you have, but God has more than you can give. You can't give more than you have. I mean, there's a limit to what you can give, but God has more than than that and can multiply 
what you have, what you bring. For example, this this past week, our leadership council met and we're just to be candid with you, our church is a little behind on our giving this year compared to last year. And we're trying to, you know, we're a little in the dark as to how to figure that out and kind of what's happening. And we don't look at who gives and who gives how much and so on. So we're just kind of discussing that. And um, we didn't kind of come up with a solution or an answer. So if you have one, let me know. But as you know, um, there are two kinds of giving in the context of the of the church. Um if you're new to this, this is the amazing thing. The government, if you uh, give over a certain threshold, this year it's 24000 If you're married, filing jointly, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, the, the government allows you to deduct a portion of your giving off your income tax. It's just a marvelous thing. That's not why we give. There's two kinds of giving. One is we give um, a kind of special project giving. So uh, that's kind of a, to meet a special need. So this Thanksgiving, our 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 special gift or special project was for the pregnancy care center to help them purchase a new mobile clinic. You guys have given $6,500 already done. It's awesome. It's wonderful. We've got all these butler bags here that are filling up and coming in. And, and we've got, I think there's more, if there's more empty bags uh, available, those will probably get taken out this week too. That's an incredible, uh, just loving act of generosity on your part to do that. Those are kind of special giving. We're in the midst of, of working toward our finishing our clarity project. We're about $28,000 short on uh, everything that we need to finish uh, the sound treatment and sound system and so on in this building. Like special needs sometimes are for others, sometimes are the things that we need to take care of the house, but that's special project giving. And then the other kind of giving is uh, is giving out of regular obedience. So what we would say is the tithe, that's giving... You know, Scripture teaches you give it the first fruits, the first, the top of what you give, you give to the Lord. And so uh, we talk about a tithe, it just means a tenth, literally that's what that means. And it's the only place in Scripture where God says, test me in this and see. Out of Malachi, God says to the people, they were, you're robbing God because you're not being faithful in the tithe. Just test me and see if I won't open the windows of heaven. And so we encourage uh, that you just be obedient in that and you give a full tithe to the Lord's work. And he says, well, Brian, boy, that sounds pretty self-benefiting that you do that. And if you really, if you have an issue with me asking that, you can start by tithing. I mean, the principle is tithe where you're fed. So if you're fed in the house, that's where you tithe. But if you don't trust me in that, tithe somewhere else and see if God doesn't bless that and come through on that. There's That portion belongs to the Lord. And my observation has been when people withhold that, it gets eaten up in other ways. There's other ways that the that the enemy takes that because it's not yours. Just just been my observation. And so those two kinds of giving, special giving and the regular giving of the tithe to the Lord's work. But even if, here's my point, even if we gave everything, even if we emptied every savings account, every every checking account, if we took all those funds, all those resources, sell your 401ks, uh, Tax all the richest people in the world. Just take all that money, right? It still wouldn't meet all the needs. Like there's no shortage of needs. There's no end to the needs that are that are out there. So this is where we learn to trust God. We bring the little that we have. And we say, God, I'm, you know, I can't give more than I have, but God has more than I can give. So God, I bring the little that I have and trust you. To multiply it, trust you to expand it, trust you to, to stretch it. And so whether what you give is a little time or money or, 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 or kindness or service or whatever, God takes the little that I have 
when I surrender it truly to him. No strings attached. And let him multiply it. So when Jesus asks in verse 38, hey, how much bread do you have? He says, go, go and find out. He's setting them up for this. He's saying, look, go assess what your situation is. What are you actually dealing with? It's a very small amount. But even in that small amount, whoever had those five loaves and the two fish, one of the other gospels says that it was a, a young boy. It was his lunch. These loaves are like, you know, they would fit in the palm of your hand. We would think of it more like a dinner roll. And the fish are like this. So it's it's one person's lunch. And that person doesn't says, well, I guess I can give you a loaf or I'll, tell you what, I'll give you one of my fish and two of my breads. I can get by on the rest. No, that person gave it all, surrendered it all, right? Jesus is inviting them into this next more. It's more miracles. Verse 38, more miracles. It's not go and... See how many you can feed. Well, listen. Okay, so we got... Okay, if we'll refer ration this out. Okay, well, where are the 20 hungriest people? We'll give them a little something. Jesus doesn't do that, right? So bring what you have. Take stock of what you got and give it to me fully. Surrender it to me completely. If we're going to see God at work, it means we cannot allow ourselves... To be afraid of him doing the impossible. If we're going to see God at work, we cannot be allowed, afraid of, of, of God doing the impossible, taking a vision and running with it. Uh, another little confession this morning. You know, there's those two uh, properties up at the street that are being developed into two uh, apartments up there on Maple Avenue and you know, when I came to Bethany six years ago, I just, I just prayed. I prayed a lot about those places. I'm like, Lord, I just really believe those are for Bethany Church and pray that the Lord provide. And that the owner just wanted an astronomical, outrageous, unreasonable uh, price for those parcels. And uh, we just, we looked at what we have and we just said this, not only can we not afford it, it just seemed like it wouldn't be prudent necessarily. But there's always this kind of little nagging thing. Did we just not trust God enough? Are we just being prudent? You know, like, it's hard for me to know all those things, but I wonder if sometimes God calls us to something that's just kind of ridiculous and impossible. Lori, you, you, Lori, a uh, France here kind of is our kind of CEO, the mayor of Bethlehem, basically. And, um, <laughs> oh, that's your new title. Um, you know, and you, you had this idea of six or six and a half years ago. Hey, we could do this thing. And like, yeah, that sounds pretty impossible. You know, um, it's just been remarkable what the Lord has done and through that. And if we said no to everything because we only have five loaves and two fishes, we wouldn't, nothing would happen. Nothing would happen. So maybe, maybe God is really inviting us to more miracles, more provision of what He can do. See, Jesus is not the God of just enough. He's the creator. He's the creator. He didn't just make little trees. He made sequoia trees. He didn't just make little hills. He made the Rockies, the Sierras, the Himalayas. Right? Jesus, Jesus is that creator, the God of abundance. He provides more than enough. And he cares for the people and he cares for the service. So after the 5,000 plus get fed, they are left with more than they started with. 
They're left with more than they started with. And so that the, the ones that are serving, remember those hungry disciples who didn't get to have proper meals? Suddenly they each get a basket full of fish and bread to munch on on their boat trip. He's the God of abundance. He does more than we need, expect, ask, hope for. Jesus makes the impossible happen and he will do much more than you'd expect with what little you have. If there's a conditional, you've got to surrender it to him. You've got to surrender it. I, I think we don't ask for more because mo- many of us, I, I certainly on my case, we've been taught to be conservative and cautious and frugal and you know, this is a longer discussion we're not going to get into today, but I think a lot of that is fear on our part, the kind of rainy day mentality, and and that's also prudent. Scripture also teaches to be to be wise about the future. Okay? If you want help with that, our our denomination has organizations that will help you plan for the future. If you don't have a a will and a state plan in place, you ought to meet with my friends at the Mennonite Brethren Foundation because they'll help you get that in place. And uh, my attorney friend here uh, helped me kind of get that all finalized. So that that's a that's a possibility. You need to be paying attention to those things. We can help you with, with investing so you have something for retirement. I get, I get all that. But we're talking about that mentality of hoarding versus generosity. Because Jesus always has more than enough. We can ask, maybe you are here a couple weeks ago, one of our points was you can ask for more than you ought. We've been learning throughout the series that fear is the enemy of faith. And so when we're afraid, we're probably not stepping out in faith. And when you think about what you have to offer the Lord in serving and in feeding others, my question is this, what's in your basket? What is in your basket? Think about this in your life. What is in your basket? Money? Time? Creativity? Leadership? Talent? What, what's in your basket that the Lord could take that little bit and multiply it? I remember years ago we were working with somebody. She, When we were church planning with this gal, she said, I'm, I think I'm called to lead worship in the church. I said, well, and I knew her abilities and Character and stuff to know on that the Lord had not shared the same thing with me. And, uh, I said, well, you know what our, where our need is right now, we really need, uh, at that time our kids ministry program was, uh, you know, when we gather, we'd send the kids off and they would have worship time and story time and the small groups and crafts and all that stuff and the kids worship. And I said, we really need a kids worship leader. Could you do that? Oh no, I have to be on the stage. Right. And that's how I know the Lord didn't tell me what you think he told you. Uh, you know, like sometimes you think, I, it's got to be big. And we say, no, what if we just, what if it's something small that we start with, that we bring to the Lord and let him multiply that? Right? Jesus invited the disciples into more, more rest, more service, more miracles. But there's one more amazing statement of Jesus here. And as they're out on the lake, as they're straining at those oars, Jesus comes to them walking across the water. It says as if to pass by. We think Mark is just saying, you know, he has that look like he's just coming along. They thinking it's a ghost that's passing them by, which is 
Maybe what you'd expect a ghost to do. I don't, I don't know what they thought. But they're freaking out. They're screaming. And Jesus says three amazing things to them. Verse 50. He says, they're all terrified when they saw him. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. I'm not sure why New Living Translation does a little flip there. Literally, it's don't be afraid. I am. Take courage. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. How often have you needed to hear that said to you? Don't be afraid. I'm here. Take courage. I mean, if you're, if you're a parent who's had kids or you have children, think about if they've had a bad dream, right? A night terror or something. And you go into their room to console them and they come into your bed. You try to console them. What do you say? Don't be afraid. I'm here. They're either having a great time in kids' church or there's a thunderstorm. But, right? Don't be afraid. I'm here. Take courage. See? See how good that feels? Right? Every parent said that. Everybody, you know that that's, and that's what Jesus, just think about that. Just think about that like when you were a little kid. What did you need to hear? Don't be afraid. I'm here. Take courage. Be strong. It's okay. You're okay. Right? That's Jesus. That's Jesus speaking to these disciples. What's he inviting them into? He's inviting them to more faith. More faith. And when you think about your your life storms, right? At work, home, school, in your parenting, in your recreation, in your health concerns, in your finances, in your marriage, whatever your whatever in every area of your life. Think about your life storms and things you're dealing with. Some of you are thinking about, okay, tomorrow morning I got to deal with this employee or I got to deal with this bill or I got to deal with this problem student or I got to deal with this assignment that's due, you know, at five o'clock tomorrow. You're thinking about something, your life storm, whatever it is. Maybe it's something much greater than that, a relationship issue, marriage issue or something. And how would you function how how would it affect your function? Just think about that scenario, okay? Think about your scenario right now, whatever your situation is. You got it? Now, what if in that scenario, you heard Jesus say, don't be afraid. I'm here. Take courage. Right now. Like, just apply that to whatever it is you're facing tomorrow. Don't be afraid. I'm here. Take courage. Take some of the strain out of it, doesn't it? Okay. Maybe you're thinking about... Well, anyway, I won't get into all those details, but you've got an idea in mind. If you could just lay that right in there. Now, I get that this sounds a bit cliche... So how do we do this practically? Part of what needs to happen is you've got to get to a place where you can open up with someone that someone else knows your storm. Those disciples were straining at the oars together. It was a shared struggle. And some of you are really good at just like, man, I... Some of you, like... It, it's it's not a Facebook world. It's not an Instagram world. Like I know everybody looks like they've got it all together, but they don't. 
You're not the only one going through it. Trust me. But you've got to find others who can share that straining at the oars together. And then it's deliberately inviting Jesus into your boat. It's like, Jesus, come aboard. Jesus, come aboard. And that's Jesus' invitation to more faith. Less holding back, less fear. Less hanging on to stuff. And a greater trust in the one creates the sea and calms the storm. You understand he can calm the storm because he has authority. He created it so he has authority over it, right? You get that? He created the wheat so he has authority over the bread. You get that? He can provide an abundance out of nothing. He calls you to be restored in rest in him. He empowers you to serve Others so that their needs are met. I wonder if you're interested in receiving the more that Jesus has for you. More rest. More service. More miracles. More faith. I invite the worship team to join us if you would. And um, I want us to just, as we worship, we're just going to engage this song. It's called, I Will Follow. Where you go, I'll go. Where you... So when you say, I'll stay. How you move, I'll move. I will follow you. It's a commitment to say, Jesus, I, I'm going to work at taking my hands off and not always being the boss. Do you know, lots of people love that Jesus is the Savior. We love the baby in the manger, the Savior born to us. We love all that. The harder thing is Jesus as Lord, leader of our life, the one in charge, the commander the one who has authority over our lives. Jesus is Savior. It's awesome. But He is Savior and Lord. And that's what happens in this passage. Will you bow with me in prayer? Father, I want to thank You so much that You're inviting us into more. I just thank You that we get to kind of step into these scenarios. Lord, I just... I would love to be able to imagine what it's like being in that boat and it's crazy and the waves and... And, 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 and just there's fear and then there's a ghost and all so scary and, and then Jesus you just say don't be afraid I'm here take courage well I just think about those people and the, you taught them amazing things but they're getting restless because they're hungry they have a natural need and then you multiply Lord there's people here this morning some of us this morning we We actually need for you to multiply something in our life because we're not going to make it if you don't. So God, I just ask that you would lead us to that place of greater surrender and trust to you to, to release our preferences, our desires, our needs to you so that you can work through us for the benefit of others and provide an abundance. church if you're somebody that you've never yielded your life to Jesus it's not hard just think ABC admit that you're a sinner in need of saving that you believe in Jesus Christ the son of God who died for your sin and rose again and you commit your life to follow him all the time as the Lord and leader of your life maybe that's you today just 
If that's a decision you're ready to make, don't leave here without talking to someone that can help you make that decision. So Lord, we thank you for these great and precious promises of more that you'll do for us. We give you our praise. Amen.